Hey friends, this is Pastor Elizabeth, and you're listening to the Faith Church Podcast. You're about to hear the sixth sermon in our series called What We Need Is Here, in which we're exploring ways we don't actually have to look all over the planet to find spiritual renewal or inspiration, but we can actually find it in an ordinary local church. The focus of this sermon is why we all need the church, even if it's full of irritating people who don't always agree with us. And I preached it on October 17th, 2021. I hope that while you're listening, you might hear something that draws you closer to the heart of God. Here we go. There is an interesting phenomenon in the Western world that I think may only exist in people who are currently middle-aged or younger. And it's that we have grown up being told, and in most cases I think believing, that we can do or be anything. The world is our oyster. Every door is open. Prior generations naturally went into the family business because they had a built-in mentor at home and somebody had to take care of the business. Besides, for most of history, one of the benefits of having children was economic security, a truth which seems to have reversed itself in recent years. But we moderns are raised not as an extension of the prior generation, or the next phase of the family legacy, but as individuals, independence. We're taught to dabble in everything, to experience as much as possible, to find whatever it is that we really want to do, at least for now, knowing that we can always change our minds later if we want to. And I think there are a few challenges with this. One is that having so many options, especially as a young person, can feel really overwhelming. How do you know what to choose or even where to begin? What if lots of things make your heart sing or you have multiple gifts and could see yourself in several industries? Or what if the opposite is true and you haven't yet found anything that feels like what you are meant to do? When I worked regularly with high school students, many of our serious conversations came back to this. The 15 and 16-year-olds were feeling enormous pressure, stress, and angst because they hadn't yet decided how to spend the next 60 years of their lives. Which makes sense, since the decision-making part of their brains doesn't even fully develop until around age 25. But another thing this concept does is make us all think that we're supposed to be well-rounded. It's not good enough to be good at math or language arts. You can't have a sport or play music. As adults, being good at your job is not enough. You should also keep a lovely home and volunteer on the side and be well-read and fit and well-rested and appropriately engaged in social and civic matters. 
Having access to everything has made us think we're supposed to be good at it all, all the time. And the thing is, well-roundedness is actually not a Christian virtue. Nowhere in Scripture does it say you should be good at everything, because you never know when you might be called on to pitch in. Instead, 1 Corinthians says you have a gift, a gift, maybe just one. Use that for the glory of God. And maybe this doesn't feel like it matters very much. I mean, why is it a problem if we try to develop lots of gifts instead of just having one role or focusing on one thing? Who wouldn't want to be good at everything? But there's a danger in our focus on well-roundedness, and it's that it can seduce us into thinking that we don't need anybody else. If we have all the gifts ourselves, there's no need for community, because we can just do it all on our own. We start thinking that we don't need each other. We stop working to build relationships with people who are different from us. We no longer associate with people who have different ideas because we think we don't need them. And then society becomes a bunch of little polarized groups of people who look and act and think alike, who don't see any need for the other groups who might look or think or act different from them. And we end up with constantly fighting echo chambers and lots of lonely people. And that's not what God intended. Instead, God put us into communities. We call them churches. And each one is full of not only similarity, but also difference. None of us has to do or be everything, because together, as long as we all do our part, the community has everything it needs. Well-roundedness is something that the whole group can claim, but no one gives in to the absurdity that one person should have every gift. In 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul writes, the body does not exist of one member, but many. He uses the metaphor of the human body to help us understand how church and community work. The human body is one organism, but it's made up of so many parts. 206 bones, 639 muscles, plus skin and ligaments, cartilage and veins, arteries, blood, fat, and hair. It all works together with every step, every breath, every letter typed, every hand held, every word spoken. Each piece plays its own unique role. Even the pieces we don't think much about and the ones we can't see and the parts we find a little embarrassing are vital to our lives. It seems nonsensical to imagine the eye telling the foot that it can get lost, or the ear looking down on itself because it's not a nose. Or what if the arteries said, I'm not really into blood anymore. I'm going to try something else. That's absurd. And yet we do this very thing, dismissing others because they're different from us, looking down on ourselves 
because we are different from those we admire or those who have been named admirable by our culture, and dismissing our own gifts when they don't seem to be all that attractive. We try to be things we're not, or we try not to participate at all, or we try to be the whole body when we're just one part. But if we try to do everything, we actually steal other people's roles and they get pushed out of community. If we don't live into our unique callings using the gifts that God was particular in giving to us, then the people who need us will be lacking. If we separate ourselves into groups of people who are just like us, everyone is worse off because no one has all the gifts. No one is the whole body. We're all just parts. And maybe there's an argument to be made with, that with technological advances and excellent education, Paul's metaphor is a little out of date. Maybe the community doesn't need quite as many people as the human body has parts. But there's something else important about showing up to the community that makes this metaphor still relevant. And it's not just because we don't have all the gifts that might be needed, because no one is truly well-rounded in a way that a whole community can be. It's that real spiritual growth doesn't happen on our own. It only happens when we commit ourselves to other people that we didn't necessarily choose other people who just might drive us crazy. Where else will we learn about forgiveness or what grace really is? Who will open our eyes to viewpoints excuse me, beyond our own? How will we ever get a clear picture of who God is if we're only looking from our own limited sight lines? If we try to do the spiritual life by ourselves, who will challenge us? Who will hold us accountable? Who will help us discern what our gifts are and encourage us to share those gifts in ways we have not yet imagined? Sure, if you give yourself to a community in which all the members are not handpicked by you, there are bound to be people who annoy you. But that's part of the point. How will you learn to be generous and compassionate if you only spend time with people you like? The church may be the one place left in our culture in which we are stuck with each other. We don't get to pick who sits next to us, and we don't get to invent our own version of God. We might end up next to the guy who can't carry a tune, or the woman whose perfume is a little strong, or the baby that's making noise, or the mother who's so tired she can't hear the noise anymore, or the widow whose grief is so heavy she could barely get out of bed today. We might be next to the teenager who came hoping that someone, anyone, will care, or the person who came desperate to care for someone else. And every single person here bears the image of God. It's a motley crew, 
but a holy one. It's a fairly common phenomenon that a pastor might greet someone after a worship service, someone she hasn't seen before, a potential new member. And in the conversation that follows, the person will casually say, you know, I used to go to that church on the other side of town, but I did not like how the finance team handled the budget last year. Or, I didn't like what the trustees did with the layout of the new building. Or, I didn't like the curriculum they were using in Sunday school. Or, insert your own idea, there are many. So, the person says, I thought I'd look for someplace new. In saying this, the visitor intends to communicate to the pastor that he is ripe for the picking, that a little kindness could go a long way, and this church would have a new member indeed. And the pastor's reflex might be to say, yes, come here. Our trustees, finance, Sunday school teams are awesome. But the truth is that soon enough, this visitor will find something to be upset about at this church, too. And they'll take off down the road yet again. So my friend Roger says, the more faithful response to the visitor is to say, you know, you might as well go back to the church across town. Jesus is meeting you there in those people. I have no doubt. And if you run away, you might miss him. Sure, you can meet Jesus on your own, on a hike or in a sunset, or reading the Bible at your kitchen table. But spiritual growth happens in community. Perhaps because we were made to be in community, to belong to community, not just to interest groups full of people we like, at least for now. And while it might be more challenging in some ways, more irritating for sure, to do the spiritual life with a group of people like this, it's exactly what God intended. Everyone here bears the image of God. God gave us to each other as a gift. And in learning to get along, getting aggravated, reconciling, negotiating sometimes competing agendas until we can learn to let go of our agenda, the constant rubbing of one ego against another until we realize that our egos don't really matter as much as we thought, we find what we need, a community where Christ uses other people in our lives to make us more like him. Sometimes I question whether God made the right decision in creating the church. Because I know, as well as any of you, that churches are full of irritating people. <laughs> and sometimes it feels like it would be better to go it alone. But it turns out that we actually need each other if we're going to grow in faith. We need all the parts of the body, even the ones that creak and pop and make noise, the ones that don't work quite right and even give us pain the ones that are stiff and unmoving, the ones that are worn out, the ones that just got here and don't seem to know what they're doing at all. 
It turns out that committing to each other, humbling ourselves, admitting that no one has all the gifts, and we actually need each other, that's how we grow closer to the heart of God. What we need, it's here. And it's all of us. Amen. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Faith Church Podcast. If what you heard was meaningful to you, please share this podcast with a friend. If you have any questions, or if we can support you on your spiritual journey in some way, don't hesitate to reach out through our website at www.faithunited.org. Tune in next week for the next sermon in this series, which is about why we need to serve others in order to grow spiritually ourselves. Until then, take care.